What do the following artists have in common? Rick Astley, Aha, Vanilla Ice, Men Without Hats, The Knack, Extreme, Snow, Flock of Seagulls, The Cutting Crew, Robbie Neville, Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, Katrina and the Waves, An Emotion, Robbie Dupree, Fine Young Cannibals, Todd Rundgren, Madness, Quarter Flash, Chris DeBerg, and the list goes on and on. These are all top 40 artists who are unfortunately considered to be one-hit wonders when they really weren't. That means that they had a second charting record after a hugely successful first single that was at least a top 40 hit and made an appearance on American Top 40, which is the criteria that I use in determining whether an artist is a one-hit wonder or not. Before we get into the show, here's a sampling of some of the second charting singles from some of the artists that I just mentioned. She wants to dance with me. Girl, I've been hurt and now I need another lover 
On this episode of Adam's Corner, we welcome to the corner <laughs> Gilbert Matthews. Mr. Gilbert Matthews, who is the owner and the operator and the programmer of two of the greatest online radio stations, in my estimation, uh, the awfully awesome 80s um, and the retroattic. And if you are of the age of 40, over the age of 40, I should say, and you're not listening to these stations, what are you waiting for? You're really missing out because he has really done an incredible job programming these stations. Um, basically, what he does, well, I'll let him tell you what he does. I'm not going to take steal his thunder. I'm not going to do that. Um, but uh, what we're going to be talking about on this episode, uh, there's a lot of one-hit wonders, quote-unquote, that people talk about, but they really weren't one-hit wonders. People like Rick Astley, who uh, some people actually say he only had one hit, and we know better than that. And so Mr. Gilbert Matthews would be the person to talk with about this subject, because I think it's a subject near and dear to his heart. So I'm I'm glad to have him on the show. But first, before we get to that, I was going to give you a chance to tell us a little bit about how, how you, um, what made you decide to uh, start the stations and, and what kind of a process that was and uh, that sort of thing, if you want to do that for us. Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you for having me, by the way. And uh, let's see, go way back to the beginning. Uh, when I was a little kid, I, you know, listened to music occasionally because you know, we always had a you know, radio station going on in the trailer. And one of the first songs I remember hearing was, uh, Pretty Lady, a song by the Canadian group Lighthouse. They were kind of the Canadian equivalent of Chicago, you know, brass rock uh, type of thing. And it was a bit charter nationally, but in the Northeast United States, it was played pretty heavily. And, you know, other than that, you know, I really didn't take uh, music seriously until about the fall of 75 when uh, my folks divorced. And, um, Every weekend, I would go visit my dad, and he was sharing a place with two of his friends from work, and one of his friends had a, a pretty extensive record collection, and, you know, I was feeling pretty, you know, down, depressed, you know, hurt over the whole divorce thing, so I needed an escape, so I put on a, head, a, a pair of headphones, and, you know, that's pretty much where it began, uh, a lot of uh, Beatles albums, especially the original, uh, you know, Swirl label that Capitol had. Uh, let's see, some radio station, uh, two LP sets, uh, WRKO out of Boston, had an incredible uh, 60s set that had a lot of singles that aren't really uh, what are considered to be standards anymore. Stuff like Lies by the Knickerbockers and uh, Laugh Laugh by the Bo Brummels. Uh Let's see. Uh, no Good to Cry by the Wild Weeds. They uh, had a member of NRBQ. And uh, then there were some other stuff I got into uh, early on, uh, like the Stones, uh, Steppenwolf, uh, Shuggy Otis, who was one of those uh, multifaceted instrumentalists who uh, was like a psychedelic soul player, uh, the type that Frank Zappa would be after for a band member. And uh, so over the years, I started uh, collecting a lot of records. Uh, the 80s came around with MTV. I started collecting music videos like crazy. I mean, I was the type of person that you could always see at the, 
you know, record stores in the town and um, flea markets, yard sales and the like. And then eventually radio stations about uh, 1987 or so got taken over by uh, corporations and it just got to be so uh, predictable and stale, you know, the era of the DJ be, uh, being uh, like a free form expression. Those days were pretty much gone. I mean, yeah, there was the occasional station that still did that, but for the most part, corporations had taken over. And I finally, about 2010, got so sick of it and just woke up one day and said, why don't I start my own? So uh, spring of 2011, I started the Retro Attic, and that station just concentrates strictly on the 50s through the 70s. And you get you know, plenty of doses of the uh, familiar, you know, the stuff that you know, we consider to be overplayed on uh, you know, like satellite radio. And um, you know, some of the hits that uh, were between like uh, number 20 and number 40 in the top 40, but they really don't get much attention anymore. You're going to get lots of doses of that on that station. And then especially the minor charters, the ones that were 41 and below or bubbled under on billboard, which is from number 101 through, uh, you know, at one point it was like number 150 and then it trimmed down over the years. Uh, the similar magazine uh, Cashbox had their own version of that called looking ahead. And that was strictly like 100 through 125, 101 through 125. And, um, then about 2014, I did uh, Awfully Awesome 80s for the first time. And that's pretty much the same concept. It's 80s and early 90s. And it's you know, doses of the familiar, the not-so-familiar hits. And then, of course, the ones that, you know, were, you know, that tanked or probably should have had a better fate. But there was just so much going on that we just didn't have time to listen to everything so some really good gems got lost in, you know, the shuffle and were never heard from again, but they get love on my station. And uh, Awfully Awesome 80s was uh, made dormant for a while after the end of 2015 because uh, there was a small webcasters agreement that had been in place for a number of years. And... Uh, basically, anybody at that point could get into Internet radio. There wasn't much in the way of royalty requirements or uh, listener hours. And then uh, the performing rights organizations like ASCAP and BMI, they got uh, wind of Internet radio and that it you know started to become a moneymaker. So they did away with the small webcasters agreements, which eliminated a lot of DJs, made it uh, you know, broadcasting very expensive. And so I had to stop it for a while until I could figure things out. Eventually I did. And uh, it was at about 2018 that I started it back up again. And it's been, you know, going strong ever since. And we love it. I know I love it. I I'm telling you, it makes my workday so pleasurable. Uh, every day it's there. It's in the background. Um, and it's just, it's a wonderful thing. And uh, so many of these songs, I mean, I'm a chartaholic. Uh, my dad was a huge record collector. He had literally close to 100,000 pieces of vinyl when he passed away, I think it was. And so music has been my life as well. 
and it's but there's still things that uh that i've missed and you play these songs a lot of times i'll hear something i'll say now somehow i missed that i don't know that one and that's great and i'll add it to my own personal playlist i'll purchase a copy of it or something and i'll uh i'll make sure it's there because i have a uh I have a uh, a phone that has an SD card slot because I like a curated playlist on my phone. I don't like to uh, just stream. So uh, <laughs> yeah, you get it, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it like uh, programming uh, the stations? Uh, how how time consuming is that? And uh, just just wondering about all of that sort of thing. Well, I tend to be a stickler for detail and so yeah i do spend probably more time than i should uh, as far as audio processing you know i make sure that you know they have uh you know proper uh normalization and uh you know bass and treble levels and yeah i make sure also that i'm getting uh the most familiar version played you know in other words like the single remix and yeah, you know, then of course there's some times where I throw, you know, my personal favorites in. You know, there were there were many times that I preferred an album version over the single mix. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I I get that. And and how do you feel about the twelve inch uh singles that were so prominent in the uh eighties, I would say, uh probably kind of faded out a little bit as that we went into the nineties, but they were really a big deal in the eighties. I was a huge collector of them, so I <laughs> Well so back in the eighties, I tended to be an introvert, so I didn't really get out to the dance clubs that much. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so the twelve the twelve inch mixes really weren't my thing. I mean, I certainly understand the you know collectability of them, and I have considered uh, you know doing a, a special show occasionally that is dedicated to twelve inch mixes. But you know, quite honestly, I'm not really that knowledgeable about them. I was, uh, I guess it was a thing with me. I would hear a song till I was sick of it. And when I wanted some, a, a different version of it, uh, I would buy the 12 inch single. So I would have a fresh take on it. And so that was my, that was my thing when I was growing up. It's like, I'm sick of this single version of this song, but now I can enjoy it again because here's a new version of it. So that was my way of thinking. It's kind of an odd way of thinking, I'm sure. But, uh, but some of those 12 inch mixes were pretty good. I, I uh, particularly, thought some of them there are a few of them that i actually think are better than the um than the 45s uh that were released uh heaven is a place on earth is one that comes uh to to mind right off the bat that was just amazing when i put that 12 inch single on i thought this is just uh, i can't believe what they've done to this song and it makes it so much better but anyway um that's that's actually one of the few i've heard yeah and it's a great one oh my goodness and it doesn't overstay its welcome it's uh only like five minutes and some of them tended to get a little bit monotonous that one's perfect it's five minutes perfect remix uh you know he pumps up the bass line just enough to where it's just it's great um so and i i do some mobile djing on the side too and i've played that one when the opportunity affords itself and uh it never fails to get people moving i'll tell you so um anyway but yeah it's it's such an interesting thing now uh, just one more question uh uh you around what year did you stop listening to music because the pop music because i stopped following it roughly around 1993 to me that's where it started to lose its flavor i was hanging on uh basically barely hanging on till 93 but by that point it's like yeah i think i'm done here (laughs) well let's see uh i would say that's probably uh 
around the same time, I mean, uh, I did extend it out a little bit. Uh, there were a few rock acts around uh, 96, 97 that I mm-hmm. thought were going to be the new torchbearers. You know, people like, uh, you know, Tonic and uh, Fastball. But, uh, yeah, I would say probably around the same time as you. Um, 93 was really the last year that uh, I felt was carrying on the uh, 80s spirit, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep, to- totally agree. And uh, yeah, radio stations started to to really change at that point. They were in the midst of change, as you mentioned earlier, and they really started changing even more so around the mid-90s uh, and not in a good way. I remember I'm in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, and that's where I grew up. And I remember there was this trend where they were jumping on uh, the nostalgia thing of the 70s. And we had a station that uh, billed itself as playing 70s all the time. And they did a top 100 countdown of the biggest hits of the 70s. And when they got to number one, uh, instead of playing, uh, or rather into the top 10, instead of playing My Dingaling, where it should have been, they played Stairway to Heaven. So that's the kind of thing that was going on. It was this corporatization uh, of, you know, where they would switch things that really, and we all know uh, Stairway to Heaven was never released as a single. Uh, so right. it was that that kind of stuff. Uh, very little soul music, obviously no Osmonds or anything like that. So, so you know, you could feel the corporate wheels turning even with the oldie stations back then. And of course, oldies formats are pretty much non-existent today. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, you you do such a great job with these. And so, uh, yeah, I just wanted to give uh, my audience a little bit of background, and I want to urge them, anybody that's listening to the show. Uh, to support his uh, efforts uh, because we don't want them to fall by the wayside. They're just terrific uh, online radio stations. And uh, like I said, again, it's awfully awesome. Awfully awesome 80s and the retro attic. And you can put those in your search engine if you uh, and uh, do that and find them, please. I can tell you the uh, websites. Yeah, you can do that too. And we'll put a link. I'll put a link when I uh, post this uh, podcast. Uh, So we'll make sure we get that out there for you. So moving along to the topic at large, as it were, we're going to discuss a few one-hit wonders who really weren't one-hit wonders. But I thought it would be fun to start this off with a couple of uh, acts that we would assume are not one-hit wonders, but really are chart-wise, that is, one of which is Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yes. All along the Watchtower. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this man knows his stuff. Uh, Yeah, All Along the Watchtower was the only charting single for Jimi Hendrix. Uh, And uh, Minnie Repetin is another one, of course, Loving You, uh, number one for her, and she's known as one of the greatest soul singers ever with that incredible five-octave range. But Loving You was her only chart entry on the Billboard Pop Charts. And those are two that came readily to mind. And you may have a few more uh, like that. Uh, I don't know. Those are just two that came right off the top of my head. Uh, so so let's, uh, you know, I, I think the first thing we should probably do is discuss uh, the definition of uh, what a one-hit wonder is. Because uh, there are right. actually there are actually quite a few out there. Yes, uh, there are. You know, so, some people consider to be... Uh, one hit wonder, an act that only had one hot 100 entry, but that's, I kind of cringe at that because, okay, so let's say that you have an act uh, like uh, there was an Australian group in the uh, late 80s called 1927. They only had one Billboard Hot 100 entry and it literally hit number 100. <laughs> so 
I, I'm sorry. That to me is just not a hit. Agreed. I mean, yeah. And, you know, then some people say, uh, well, a one hit wonder is somebody who only had uh, a single that peaked in the top 10 and nothing else. I, I personally felt that if Casey Kasem played it, then it qualifies as a hit. I so, agree. Yes, yes. If it cracked the 40, I pretty much say, uh, no, they they were not. If they had more than one hit in the 40, I would say, yeah, you're not a one-hit wonder. So uh, I think you're safe. So that that's that's my um, that, that's my criteria. Uh, so I think we're uh, somewhere in the same ballpark there. Yeah, uh, one, one top 40 hit, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. If that's the case, then, and there are many, uh, you know, Paper Lace is a good example. Uh, they barely missed the 40 uh, with the uh, the Black Eyed Boys, but uh, their big claim to fame, of course, was uh, the Night, the Night Chicago, Chicago died. died. Yes, and they never hit the 40 again. So that's a good example to me of somebody who is a one-hit wonder because Casey Kasem would have never played the Black Eyed Boys because it never hit the top 40 so uh, that's an example but we'll go through i've got a list here i'm just going to throw out a few of the few of these names i'm going to try to uh not lean so heavily on one decade over another i'm going to try to you know uh, kind of split uh even them out so to speak but we'll yeah. start with uh rick astley which i'm amazed uh they, a couple of years ago they have the one hit wonder day and there was a radio programmer who actually tweeted out hey it's one hit wonder day rick astley's Never going to give you up. Uh, how could you not uh, remember that one? And I thought, you're a radio programmer for crying out loud. How do you Jeez. not know that Rick Astley had right after that Together Forever, which was almost as big of a hit. Uh, right. And then uh, it would take a strong, strong man. Uh, she wants to dance with me, dance. cry for help. You know, all yeah. of those. Uh, what's wrong with people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a same boat too with the outfield. Uh, yeah, everybody's been conditioned to think that your love is, was their only hit, but they had right. four others. That's right, all the way into the nineties, and they're not yep. just an eighties act. That's correct. Yep. So uh, ab- absolutely, Aha is one that you and I have discussed uh, in our messages back and forth to each other. That that's a great one right there. Of course, Take on Me being the one that everybody talks about. But uh, we, you and I know that there's that the sun always shines on TV. <laughs> yeah, the the video for that, uh, the beginning of it was kind of a sequel to Take on Me, and then it just kind of uh, morphed into uh, just a you know straight ahead lip sync performance with a bunch of uh, uh, mannequins. Yes, remember that video or not? Yeah. I do. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, that was a uh, 12-inch dance single that I actually preferred over the single version, The uh, Sun Always Shines on TV. Although it's a little overlong. It's eight minutes. It's a little overkill, but it's still good, I think. Uh, Vanilla Ice is a really <laughs> good one to discuss. <laughs> how many times have you heard, like I have, Ice Ice Baby is the, uh, he's a one-hit wonder. And I said, play that funky music. Song. Funky music, Vanilla Ice. Right? <laughs> And it sold a million copies for crying out loud. Uh, So, you know, how could you totally, I mean, a lot of these acts would be glad to have a song that sold as many copies as play that funky music. So I just don't understand uh, what these people are thinking about. But um, the men without hats, of course, is one that we uh, also have talked about. Uh, We, you and I both know that they uh, it's uh, the safety dance is the one that's remembered, but I'll let you tell us what the other one was. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, it was a uh, top 20 hit that, uh, you know, let's be honest, it probably has more relevance now than what it did when it was originally released. Mm-hmm. Pop goes the world. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I think it's a better song than the Safety Dance. <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm a little bit tired of the Safety Dance, but I yeah. really like Pop Goes the World. That's a great, a great pop record. Um, so yeah, that- I'll admit that when it came out, it, it was kind of a surprise hit to me. But yeah, sure. that was cool. sure, it was yeah. good. It was good to see them back. Yeah, yeah, it was. And uh, I saw them a couple of years ago performing live uh, in the Charlotte area, and they they did the Safety Dance was their opener and their closer. Uh, but they did the pop, pop goes the world somewhere in the middle. So, um, yeah, they, they, they still play it live. Uh, so the knack is one from the seventies <laughs> and, uh, that's a, that's an interesting case there. You can tell us a little bit about, you know, what happened with the knack after my Sharona. Yeah. Well, the, even as my Sharona was, uh, you know, still pretty high on the charts, uh, the next single good girls don't came out. And uh, quickly shot up just shy of the top 10. And, you know, I, I still hear it once in a great while, but certainly not as much as my Sharona. And then uh, the next year, they came out with a uh, single that from their uh, second album, But the Little Girls Understand, uh, that I consider to be son of my Sharona. I mean, it, it is, it is practically the same song, just maybe a little bit of change in the tempo. And, uh, it was even more, um, suggestive than my Sharona was. It was a song called Baby Talks 30, got all the way to number 38. Yes, it did. And it actually has the distinction of being one of the first songs that Weird Al parodied because he did a a, a version of it called Baby Likes Burping that was played on Dr. Demento. <laughs> so, and it's out there and, on YouTube, I think. So, And you can't forget my Bologna, of course. Oh, of yeah. course, yeah. So yeah. he had uh, two stabs at parodying the knack. Um, so we'll go to the 90s with uh, these next two acts, Extreme, which mm-hmm. uh, more than words is the one that everybody remembers, but... Wholehearted. Uh, wholehearted, yes. And uh so that that was um that that they they were at least two and I can't remember if there was a third one. I don't have my chart right in front of me, but I think there may have been, not a hundred percent sure, but uh the Rembrandts is another one from the nineties, of course. Uh, baby. <laughs> it's just the way it is, baby. But yeah. most people know them as the uh the, the friends the, theme. Yes, the friends theme, but before that it was uh, the way it is, baby. So yeah, that's that's. Um, yeah, yeah. in ninety two, they had a single that I thought was going to do pretty well. It was mm-hmm. you know like the one of the greatest songs of Beatles never released, a song called Johnny Abbey Senior. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yes, that's a good one. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and uh, another uh, act from the nineties, Snow, <laughs> Informer. Oh yes. <laughs> A huge hit 30 years ago this year, early in the year or around winter, some in the winter time of 1993. And then a little bit later on, Girl, I've been hurt. That's right. And a lot of people uh, erroneously label Snow as being a one hit wonder, too. So, and Flock of Seagulls, going back to the 80s, that's, uh, that's another one that uh, I ran. Uh, most people would say is the only hit they have, but you and I, again, know better on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually, the follow-up single, I like better uh, space age love song. Yes. And yes. then uh, the, the uh, outer space video in 83 uh, wishing if I had a photograph of you. That's a good one. Yes. Yep. So they were 
at least three there. So yeah, again, cutting crew. This is another one that always comes up in conversation. Mm. I just died in your arms tonight. And I can't believe because their second single was equally popular. It was huge. It was top 10, sold a million copies. Um, I've been, I've been in, in love, love before. Before, yes, that's yeah. it. But and, they had they had one in between that 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 those two that was also a top forty hit. It was a kind of a more up tempo number called "One for the Mockingbird." Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Good, good call. Ab- yeah. Absolutely, this man knows his stuff, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and and it's a, and it's a great video too. I mean the uh, the uh, effects, the color effects in it are simply amazing. At least I thought they were back then. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would say so. Yeah, I remember it now that you're uh, mentioning it. So Robbie Neville is another one. Um, I saw this. Uh, this came up on an entertainment weekly list as one of the uh, top 100 uh, hits, uh, one hit wonders of the 80s. And I thought, are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> Robbie Neville? <laughs> I mean, you know, there's uh, What's It To You and uh, Dominoes. And I think there's another one in there. You probably, it's not. It's on the tip of my tongue. Maybe you can rescue me here and... <laughs> Well, let's see, he had a second album in uh, in '88, uh, which had a debut single called "Back on Holiday." Mm-hmm. That that only got to you know something like the low 30s, I believe it was. And then uh, he was kind of like the outfield in that he had uh, you know another hit in the early '90s, uh, it was a song called "Just Like You." Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I have all of the uh, Casey Kasem American Top 40s. I have the entire archive. I bought them from a guy who had all the original radio station copies and nice. five years ago. So I I uh, was listening to one from the 90s when uh, Casey played that one. And <laughs> I think it was on the Casey's competing show, the Casey's Top 40, when he left American Top 40 and started his own. So uh, I remember him playing. I was listening to one recently that had that on it. Uh, so Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods had a number one record with Billy don't be a hero but oh there were two more after that there were <laughs> uh, and actually uh one of them is is one of my all-time personal favorites uh, i got a little backstory with it too okay. and you might you might want to you know be interested in knowing that that uh, billy don't be a hero was a number one act in the u was a number one hit in the uk for an act that we mentioned earlier paper lace yes and uh, yeah, so uh, around the fall of '74, uh, Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods uh, hit top 15 with a song called "Who Do You Think You Are," which uh, had previously been done by uh, Jigsaw, who is a, another one of those acts that is uh, perceived as a one-hit wonder, but they aren't. Yep. Uh, yeah, because they had uh, "Sky High," which gets played on satellite radio all the time. But uh, have you ever heard "Love Fire" on there? I, I, I haven't. No, absolutely not. And a great song, by the way. And it got to what I believe number thirty, something like that. Yeah, number thirty. That's, that's yeah. a great song. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I love hearing the American Top Forty old the old shows when they play that one, and it's like, yeah, it's, it's and both. Yeah, Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods also had another one that was just in the top 40 for, I think, one week uh, called The Heartbreak Kid. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. Yeah. That is it. Yeah. So Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Of course, we know Marky Mark as an actor, uh, Mark Wahlberg, but he uh, early in his career, he made his mark as a, uh, no pun intended, his mark uh, as a uh, pop star with good vibrations. But then there was another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which was uh, sort of a uh, remake of a Lou Reed classic. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Heavily yeah. sampling the uh, yeah. uh, wild, it's called yeah. wild side. Wild side yes. yeah. Take a walk on the wild side. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Katrina and the waves, walking on sunshine. <laughs> but then there was a second one about four years later, I believe, in 1989. Well, actually, they had a follow-up single to Walking on Sunshine that was better, I thought. Uh, it was uh, number 37, uh, Do You Want Crying? Oh, yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, and then, uh, strangely enough, they uh, went to a, another uh, subsidiary of Capitol Records in uh, 89 called uh, SBK Records. And, uh, yeah, they hit top 20 with a song called That's the Way. And I, yes. can, guarantee, I can guarantee that nobody has played it ever since it came out. I, I, hey. would, I would take that bet. <laughs> yeah. Except for me, of course. Right. Yes. Yeah. And and keep playing it because it's it's a good song. It's good. Yeah. And emotion is another act from 1985, Obsession, of course. And then uh again, they charted four years later with a substantial hit. Uh yeah. And actually they're kind of along the same lines as Katrina and the Waves. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, see, uh they followed up uh Obsession with a song uh called Let Him Go which hit about 39, I believe it was. And then they changed their lineup. Uh, They uh, replaced uh, the female uh, lead, Astrid Plain, with uh, Cynthia Rhodes, who uh, a lot of 80s fans know from the uh, Dirty Dancing and uh, Staying Alive movies. And, uh, yeah, uh, Room to Move was the uh, top 10 single they had in 89, and that was originally done by the uh, one-hit wonder act, Climby Fisher. Yep, that's right. Yeah, uh, yes, that that is true. Um, good. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah. Uh, let's see. Love changes everything. I was trying to think of the Climbing Fisher song that was the hit. Right. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Robbie, one half, one half of Naked Eyes in that group. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Robbie Dupree, of course, from 1980, Steal Away, and there was a really substantial hit after that one, uh, Hot Rod Hearts. Yeah, rock classic. Yep, absolutely. And so, uh, so we have that fine young cannibals. Uh, this is another one because most people remember she drives me crazy. And yet, there were two more top ten singles off of that same album, the Raw and the Cook. Yeah, good thing, uh, which I believe topped the charts. And then there was uh, Don't Look Back. Yep, that is that is true. And those were, like I said, not uh, they, they they were pretty substantial. Um, so Todd Rundgren, most people think of uh, Hello, It's Me, and yet there were several others in the 1970s. His uh, remake of Good Vibrations is one of them. And uh, if you want to talk about his uh, uh, the song that he had under a different name uh, before that, uh, I believe it was Runt, but it's really Todd yeah. Rundgren. <laughs> we got to get yeah, you a woman. Him. Right. Yeah, and there was also um, I saw the light, and uh, yes, can can we still be friends? Nineteen seventy-eight. Yes, those are all good. Very, very good. So here's a here's a big one from the nineteen eighties. Madness, our house. This one always comes up. Oh, those one hit wonders, madness. Well, you know better than that. (laughs) Yeah, it must be love, love, love. That's right. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and that one was uh, pretty substantial on MTV. Uh, here's a here's another interesting one from the '80s. Uh, Chris DeBerg, who of course the Lady in Red was the song that defined him, as it were. But several years before that on MTV, uh, he had a 
uh, a song that was pretty pretty much in heavy rotation. The video was, and it squeezed squeaked onto the uh, top forty charts as well. Yep, don't pay the ferryman. Don't pay the ferryman. Yes, I can't stump you. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and quarter flash. Uh, that is an interesting, uh, one as well. Uh, so they had, um, I'm trying to think of a song that everybody identifies, uh, them with. It's certainly not take, you know, not take, I was going to say there's take me to heart, uh, find another fool. Uh, hard my heart. Hard my heart. Yeah. That's the one everybody identifies them with. You're right. But the other two were, uh, were, were, um, it did pretty well. And Jermaine Stewart. Jermaine Stewart. Yes. We don't have to take our clothes off uh, to have a good time, and that was uh, it was that was really big in the summer of 1986. But then two years later, uh, yep. say say it again. Yep. Oh, yep. He did, and uh, so here's one you might want to. Uh, I'll, I'll let you handle this one, Gerardo. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah, you posted about this one before. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually uh yeah of course i know rico suave and uh yeah he did have one other one and uh yeah I'm, actually to be honest with you i'm drawing a blank on it right now uh it, it had like top 22 yeah it wasn't his remake of my girl was it or was that somebody no. else maybe i'm thinking of somebody else i'm thinking of, i'm sorry yeah yeah no it, it was it, it, i want to say it was a remake Yeah, I can trim this uh, down. I can. I'll trim the silence if you oh, want to yes. Up real quick. Yes, yes, jeez, uh, yeah, yeah. Parliament. Uh, yeah, we want the funk. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We yeah. want the funk. Yeah. Uh, how could I have forgotten that? <laughs> I, so, I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see how much time. We've got just a few more minutes here, so we'll we'll run through just a few more of these, and I'll and there's quite a few more, so uh, we can we can tackle these on a uh, part two, uh, sometime in the future if you're willing to come back and <laughs> humor oh, me yeah, with sure. this, no problem. this discussion. Uh, Henry Gross, of course, had uh, the uh, infamous song about the dead dog, the uh, the one that uh, Casey Kasem uh, blew his stack about uh, Shannon. Uh, when there was right. the long distance dedication, the infamous dead dog tape. We all know about that story, and then there was a. Uh, uh springtime mama which came yep. uh right after that yeah henry gross of course being a member of uh shanana at one point yep. uh and then the uh songwriter kenny no kenny nolan had one of the biggest hits of 1977 with i like dreaming um but it wasn't the only tra- charting record that he had uh, a little <laughs> bit later i'll let you tell us that one <laughs> i know it <laughs> yeah you Love's became a friend of mine. That's yeah. it. Love's, Love's grown deep. Grown deep. Yeah. You're very good. Yes. Yep. 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 Very good. And, and this will be the last one. I'll, I'll leave off with this one. The emotions. Now, this is an, as a solo act, uh, having best of my love, and they never had another hit just being billed by themselves. But then they did get back onto the charts with Earth, Wind, and Fire with Boogie Wonderland. Yeah, and they also uh, did have a. Uh earlier single that managed to squeak in the 40 back in the 1969 yes there's a song right. called so i can love you yeah so they are not a one-hit wonder well we will stop off right there with that one and we'll continue this some point in the future but really uh 
We've been really uh, privileged to have Gilbert Matthews on our show today. Uh, this has just been a real treat. Uh, he's He does such great work and, and just want to, uh, again, thank him for all the uh, the hard work he's putting into these stations and the, uh, the, the love and care that he, he puts into the programming because it's, uh, it's, it's not something that he takes lightly and we, and we certainly appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure.